0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Glory to God. I'll I tell you what, I, I, I'm glad I shift my serious mode because I was having such a good time fellowshipping with all of you telling my goofy old man jokes and everything and just having a good time. My favorite place to be in the whole world is in church. I love being in church. And one reason is, like I was telling a couple of the young ladies back here working at the check-in station, I said, the good thing about this, I said, I tell those old men jokes, these cashiers and people. They frown, they don't laugh. But you guys give me a courtesy laugh. <laughs> you know, it, it, isn't it wonderful to have a good time? Not just be so steeped in religion that nobody wants to be around you because you're the religious grandpa. You know, you're the religious grandma. Nobody wants to be around her. She's religious. Do you know that there's different religion? and Christianity. Religious people killed our Lord because he didn't conform to what they thought he ought to be. And Jesus was a man just like we are, but he was God. He took on flesh. He lived on the earth to show you can be a real person and be holy too. Amen. Amen. So I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful I'm not religious. I'm a Christian. And you know, I've heard people say there's Things like there's seven great religions in the world. Christianity is just one of them. Well, the Bible doesn't call Christianity religion. It calls it a family. We're the Christian family. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He's the Father. We're the children. It's the family. And so there may be a lot of great religions, but there's only one family. The family of God. And the way you get the family of God is receiving Jesus. So I'm so grateful. I'm not a religious person. I'm a disciple of Christ. Wow. That was free. That was free. Isn't that wonderful know that you can be a part of the family but not be a religious person? How many of you have ever been around a religious person that make you feel creepy? That wins nobody to Christ. If you make people feel creepy, you think, well, why would I want to be like them? If I got to be like them... I don't want anything to do with it. Glory to God. Good preaching, Pastor. I thought so, too. Amen. And I wasn't even preaching yet. That was just the spillover. Well, tonight, our lesson is going to be called Prayer Fruit, and specifically, how to get God's results every time you pray. But I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore. Number one, this, this book's called The Will of God in Prayer, Discovering the Will of God in Prayer, by Brother Hagen. Discover the will of God in prayer. We're going to give you some light on that tonight. And a lot of you know some, and we all know some, but we learn every time we read the Word. So we're going to learn some and grow some tonight about knowing the will of God in prayer. And then another very important book, How to Walk in Love. How to Walk in Love. Because your faith works by love. Galatians 5.22 says your faith works by love, or Galatians 5.6. says your faith works by love. So the bottom line is, First Corinthians 13, Paul talked about all kinds of spiritual traits. And then he said, if you have not love, if you have not love, your faith profits you nothing. And so I know that there's a lot of people that know a lot of Bible, but they have no fruit because they don't like people. And you've got to be a person of love. If you're going to be a person of faith that gets results. And so anyway, those two books are really, really awesome books. They've helped me over the years. They'll help you too. But tonight we're going to be talking about prayer fruit. How to get God's results every time you pray. Somebody say every time. Every time. Do you believe the Bible's true? Do you believe that Jesus always tells the truth? And so if we read Jesus' words and he tells us your prayers can get answered every time, are we going to believe Jesus or not? And you know, I like what Pastor Dave says, and I say it too. If, if somebody's gonna tell me something that, by their experiences in life, that the Bible doesn't work, well I'm gonna say, you know what, somebody's not telling the truth, it's either you or Jesus. And I truly believe, I believe, I, 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 I believe Jesus. And so I want you to look at John chapter 15, verse 7 and verse 8. John 15, verse 7 and verse 8. I love the Gospel of John. Do you love John? I'll tell you what, the Gospel of John, I love Matthew, Mark, and Luke and the whole thing, but the Gospel of John seems to be really, really grabs a hold of me more than any of the other Gospels. And then 1 John, written by the same John, except he's a lot older, in 1 John, its it's got some really heart-touching verses in 1 John, too. So John just really had a way of saying things that I really like. But anyway, we're going to look at some scriptural prayer that I probably prayed uh, more than any other. But first, we're going to look at these things here to set up what I want to really teach on. John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. Jesus said this, If you abide in me, well, that's to be born again. When you're born again, then you're alive in Christ. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, my words live in you, you shall ask what you will as shall be done unto you. Now, I want to read this, how a lot of people think they see it. If you abide in me, you ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. They, learn, they leave out the key phrase to answered prayer. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Jesus did not say, if you abide in me, just ask think you want, it will be done. He said there's a qualification, the word of God has to live in you too. If that's all it took to get prayer answered and be born again, just pray. There'd never be a prayer not answered. But the reason many prayers are never answered because they're not praying the word. You've got to know what the word of God has to say. When you know the word of God, you know the will of God. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. Because when you're asking what you will, it's because you know the will. And the will is the word. And when the Word's living in you, then you're praying the Word. When you're praying the Word, you're praying the answer. You know, if you're taking notes, that's probably something good to write down. When you're praying the Word, you're praying the answer. And when you're praying the answer, you get results. And you know, I, I, I studied under a man named EW, E.W. Kenyon years and years ago. I was thinking of his worship, it was 40 years ago at least, when I got my first Kenyon book, because a lot of the... Fathers of the Faith really talked about E.W. Kidney. He died in 1948, but he left a great legacy of faith that he taught. And on this verse right here, from the Greek, he said, If you abide in me, he said in the Greek, that says, And my words abide in you, if my words have their place in your conduct. If you abide in me, and my words have their place in your conduct. In other words, in your life, in your daily uh, actions, interaction with people and with life. If your first thought, if things you come up against is, what does the Word say? You come up against a financial thing, a people problem, a job problem, a healing issue, whatever it is, if your first, if your first thought is, not what am I going to do, if your first thought is, Lord, what's the Word say? And then you say, what's the word say? Then you know the verse, you say, well, then that's the answer. That's what I'll do, that's what i believe. And that's what it means for God's word to have its place in your conduct. And then when he says, you ask what you will shall be done unto you, he said in the Greek, that says, it will leap into being and become a fact. If my words have their place in your conduct, ask what you will, it will leap into being and become a fact. Whatever it is in life you need, when you're praying the word, you're praying the answer. And when you're praying the answer, it has to come to pass. Why is that? Jesus said it. <laughs> I want you to look at that verse. That, that's just really serious. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. Would you say that your prayers answered? is it it's God's will for people to be saved. Amen. You can pray in faith. For your love and salvation. Is it God's will for needs to be met? You can pray in faith for needs to be met. Is it God's will for people to be delivered from addictions? You can pray in faith for that then. Is it God's will for people to be healed? You can pray in faith for that. Jesus said the qualification is you've got to get a hold of the word. And most importantly, to get this, the word's got to get a hold of you. The word's got to get a hold of your thinking. You know what? When the word gets a hold of your thinking, you'll never worry again. When fear tries to hit you, when the devil tries to come and attack you with, well, what if, what if, what if, then you just open your mouth say, devil, the word says. And that's the way it is. And then you just go to sleep like a believer. Amen. Amen. And so when you pray the word, you're praying the answer. Jesus never prayed the problem. He always prayed the answer. You acknowledge what's going on, and then you pray what the Word says, what the answer is. And then you know, like 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 I like I've taught all my ministry life what I learned years and years ago from my fathers in the faith. It's like when I got the cancer and the heart stuff and everything three years ago. I called for the elders of church because James five fourteen says, "Is there any sick among you?" Well, I'm among you, and I was sick. And he said that the elders of the church would anoint with oil. And they said they'd pray the prayer of faith. And it says that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Right. And so I had the elders pray for me one time. And I thanked them for obeying the Bible and praying for me. I said, now don't pray for me again. If you think about me, just thank the Lord that your prayer is working. Just thank the Lord that healing is working in my bloodstream. Healing is working in my body because you prayed the prayer of faith. And the Bible is true. It said the prayer of faith would heal the sick. And then when other preachers found out that I'd been through that blood cancer stuff go off me, they said, hey, can we call you up here and pray for you? I said, no, you can't. I said, just praise the Lord for my healing. Well, you don't look healed, though. you still going through all that chemo things, aren't you? I said, yeah, but the elders of my church prayed the prayer of faith. And I said, I'm not taking your faith lightly or your prayers, but just join your faith with us for praise. Just praise God that the prayer of faith was prayed, that the healing process started. Why is that? Because God's word was alive in me from James 5:14, that I did what God said to do. I was a doer of the word. I called for the elders. And God's the one that said the elders pray the prayer of faith and healing comes. You see what I'm saying? And so, see, a lot of people don't understand things. They, 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 they listen to parts, parts of messages and they kind of get twisted in their mind. I didn't say, don't pray again. Just don't pray the same way. The next time you pray turned into their prayer of praise and say, I want to thank you, Lord. I've been prayed for and your power's working. That's not ignoring, or that's not denying. That's saying, Lord, I'm in agreement. The prayer of faith was prayed for me. If it's you or your child, the prayer of faith was prayed because when you look at somebody and it's obvious there's something bad going on in their body and they've been prayed for, it's not wrong to pray again. You just don't pray the same. You just say, Lord, I want to thank you. I see what they look like but I know on the inside is changing because the prayer face faith's been prayed. I know my child's getting better minute by minute. I know my grandma's getting better. Lord, I know that things are changing. So see, you're still praying, except you're praying different. It's called the, the prayer of praise. So you're and thanksgiving. Do you, do you know in Philippians chapter 4, he said, don't worry about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with, with what? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then he says in verse 8, And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why is the peace of God there? Because you didn't worry, but you let God know. You said in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And so you stand in the thanksgiving mode then, and the answer has to show up. Because Jesus said, If my words live in you, and you pray my words, you're asking what you will, said so it will be done unto you. And so listen, you know, as equipping people to be good prayers, you have to adjust how you pray. You have to learn how to pray. When you prayed the word, you prayed the answer. And the thing is, if you keep on praying the same thing every day, asking him to do what you asked him yesterday, you're undoing yesterday's prayer because you said yesterday's prayer don't count. There wasn't any faith there, so I'm going to ask you again. You don't keep asking for the same thing. When you prayed the prayer of faith, according to the word of God, he says it's working. And so then you shift into thanksgiving and praise. And every day say, Lord, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus. You're working in my daughter's life. I want to thank you in the name of Jesus. You're working concerning this job thing. Lord, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus. The money's showing up, Lord. I want to thank you that it's happening. Instead of getting into wine mode and cry mode and begging him every day to do something he already said he'd do. He said, if you pray the word, you're praying the answer. So if you got the answer, why are you going to cry? Amen. Amen. And so anyway, he says then that here is my father glorified. How is he glorified? When you're praying the word. He says that you bear much fruit. What kind of fruit? Prayer fruit. He said, then you're my disciples. He said, a disciple is serious about the word. A disciple prays the word, and a disciple gets results. That's what fruit is. Fruit means results. And so you get results. He said, My Father is glorified. He said, Then you're my disciples. How many like to be a disciple and not just not just a Christian? I want to be a Christian disciple, not just a Christian. I want to be a disciple that bears prayer fruit. And so anyway, Jesus said, Pray the word, and what are you praying then? Open book test, you're praying the answer. Amen. Now look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 14 and verse 15. And I've studied prayer all my Christian life. I've had Bible school prayer classes. I've had lots of good prayer meetings, prayer groups, and things in church. But you know what? I'm still studying prayer. I'm still practicing prayer. How many here on your jobs, you ever ever have to go back for more retraining? I know you in the school system. You have to take classes. You have to keep on doing stuff. And a lot of stuff you're doing, I know it's the same stuff you heard before. They're keeping you sharp. And you know it's just like a knife. If you use a knife a lot, it gets dull. If it gets dull, it's hard to cut. If it's hard to cut, you might get hurt with a dull knife more than a sharp knife, because a sharp knife does its job. Christians can get dull if they don't stay sharp in the Word. Have you ever noticed in your life that you've had times or seasons where you've backed off the spiritual things in the Word, that you get dull in your prayer life, that your prayer life starts shifting from faith to complaining and whining? And wondering that when you're really sharp in the Word, when you're coming to church all the time, you're on the morning, you're hearing the Word, you meditate in the Word of God, and you're staying sharp listening to good faith sermons. When you pray, man, you pray with confidence, man, you puff your spiritual chest out, and you say, glory to God, we can do this, because you're sharp. Amen. That's the way I want to be. That's a disciple that has confidence in their praying. And so First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says that this is the confidence. Glory to God. This is the confidence that we have in Him, in God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. I want to say it again. The Word of God is the will of God. God doesn't will one thing and write another thing. And you know, when I think about this, do we know that the written Word of God was written by men, inspired by God to write what God was saying to them? And so, you know, I like to call the epistles... Jesus love letters to me. This is love letters, and you know what I think about that? I always think about this: that when I get a card or a letter in the mail, which we don't get too many of anymore because everything's on this blessed internet. But Mrs. Pastor really has it in her to send cards and stuff all the time because she, you know, people likes to open real letters and read things. Whenever I get a letter or a birthday card or something from somebody that I love. I see their face when I read that card. I can hear their voice when I read that card because I know this is them telling me their heart about me, what they think about me and how they love me. Well, I think about, you know, the soldiers back, you know, especially Vietnam and World War II back a long time ago before the Internet. People could not wait to get a letter from the soldier out there. Or the soldier couldn't wait to get a letter from mom or from his wife or from his sister or somebody that he loved. And when they got that letter, they knew what the will of the person was that talked to them. Because they didn't write one thing, but they really meant another. They told them what they meant. And they get those letters, hold them by their heart. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen these old stories and things of people say those letters for years and years and carry those letters. And read them and read them and just hold them and read them. Because that expressed the heart of the person writing it. That's what the Bible is. He said, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is his will. His will is by his stripes you were healed. His will is that I'll save you and save your house. His will is I'll supply all of your needs. His will is you're delivered from fear. That's his will. So he says when we're praying the word, he hears us. What's on the other side of that coin? If you're praying doubt and unbelief and not the word of God, he's not hearing You know something else he doesn't hear? He doesn't hear whining and murmuring and complaining. You know, I think about life. Every one of us get hit with crisis. But what are we going to do about the crisis? God knows about the crisis. He wants to have a response from the word with faith. And yes, he has mercy. But the more you grow up, the more you should get from the emotional realm to the faith realm. I always say it this way. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. You know, I know that when my son David got leukemia, because I know more about my family than I do yours, so I can talk about mine more because I know my family. When he was three and a half years old and he got crippled, got leukemia, I was already a word man, teaching healing school. Got to the hospital. Went through the tests, stuff like that. The doctor walked out and I had my brother with me and had one of my best friends with me. He was standing there and the doctor walked out and he said, Mr. Samples, he said, all the tests that we've done, he said, I got to tell you this. Your son's got leukemia. When he did that, when he said that, the outside man got hit. And our emotions to me is like a fuse in a car. Those emotions help you not blow a circuit. You release them. And so when that man said that to me, my emotions got hit. My spirit man was strong. Now when he said that, tears started coming out, and I cried. For I don't know, I know it was less than five minutes. And then I looked at my brother, looked at my friend, and I went like this. Okay, now the crying's over. Now the fight starts. And so from that moment on, that moment on, I was in faith. I was in faith for the Word of God to kill leukemia. Two weeks later, you know the testimony. Two weeks later, the doctor said there's no leukemia in this boy's body. Two weeks later, he was dancing up and down the hallways of Riley Children's Hospital. And I was teaching healing school at the time with a cancer doctor. I went to a big church. And there was a doctor. And there was a cancer doctor in that hospital's chain, another hospital that's all connected together. And when this stuff was going on, they went to a weekend conference for doctors, doing whatever doctors do, weekend conferences. And he told me, he was my personal friend, we taught classes together on healing. He said, Bernie, he said, the whole topic of, week of this conversation, that whole conference this weekend about that sample skid. He said, all these doctors are totally confounded. They do not understand where that leukemia went. You know why? I shifted from emotions to word. And I had the elders of the church. I wasn't a pastor. I was a church member. I called for the elders of the church one time. They prayed for him. I laid hands for him. I was agreeing with the prayer of faith, and two weeks later, it leaped into being and become a fact. I want to say it again. It leaped into being and become a fact, and he leaped off the table from crippled to dancing. Glory to God. Somebody get excited with me about this. It still excites me to tell the story. And, you know, I think about, I think about the stuff I went through. My daughter-in-law Katie was with me, like two weeks after that heart stuff I went through. And the heart doctor got upset with me because I wasn't upset. He went through all the records two weeks later after having 99% blockage. He went through all the tests they run two weeks later on me. And Katie was standing there beside me, and he said, normal, 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 normal. Everything he said was normal. And then the guy's trying to talk to me. And he said, you don't know how serious this was. I said, yeah. He said, no, you don't. I do this every day. You should be dead. I thought, I don't know what to say. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but see, when you're full of the word of God, you can't be full of fear at the same time. I did not deny. When that doctor told me, I had 70% cancer in my blood. I did not deny. it did emergency surgery because I said I only had 1%. Of my right coronary already, those flowing blood, 99% was blocked. I didn't deny those things. But I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on Jesus at his word. I spoke his word only. I stuck with his word. And my blood and my heart leaped into being, become a fact. So that after that, what's God do? He has me buy a 10-acre farm. After a heart attack. After blood cancer. So what do I do? I work that 10 acres of orchard and lake. And all the stuff I did, I cleared all the tumbleweeds off of 10 acres, did all the stuff I did. I worked every day for months and months and months, right after the heart attack, 12 hours a day. And a lot of that was in that summer heat was way up over 110 degrees. And so this, my farm had little hose spigots everywhere. I had hoses everywhere hooked up. I'd work 15 minutes to soak myself in water and keep on working. I had a job to do. I'm healthy. The word of God works when you work the word. I'm telling you, the Word of God, absolutely, Jesus said, you'll bear much fruit. Then you're my disciples indeed. And so, you know, I like what John Osteen used to say. He said, you don't have a great testimony, unless you've been through a great test. And so the greater the test, the greater the testimony. And, you know, from the very start, I did not want a great testimony, because I didn't want a great test. I would rather my testimony been He's never anything bad happened to his health. I'd like that to be my testimony, but praise God, I've got a great testimony because something happened and I passed the test. And in your lives, it's the same way. The greater the attack on your life, if you stick with Jesus and His Word, the greater your testimony will be. Don't pray for a great testimony because you don't want the test. But if the test comes, whether you want it or not, just know how to pass it. Amen. So he says here, that we have this copy of anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, how do we know that he hears us? Because we pray the word. Then we know he's hearing us. Whatsoever we ask, then we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. We know that we have the answer if we're praying the word. That's two different places we see this. You're praying the word, you're praying the answer. And I got another nugget from E.W. Kenyon in here. Every time I get a new Bible, I write this with this verse right here. E.W. Kenyon said this concerning this verse right here. And if you haven't heard this before, you need to write this down. Prayer should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflecting His Word back up at Him. He ought to look down when you're praying and seeing the Word coming back up. Your life ought to be like a mirror when you're praying where He's put the Word in your heart. Because the word came from heaven. It got in your heart. He looks down and it reflects back up at him. When you're praying, it's, Lord, I want to thank you. I laid hands on my son. And you said he shall recover. So my son's recovering. Lord, I want to thank you that that diagnosis that my wife had, we called for the elders of the church. They prayed the prayer of faith. As you said, you heal the sick. So, Lord, I want to thank you that your healing power is working in my wife right now. Lord, I want to thank you that in spite of what this financial attack looks like, your word says in Malachi chapter 3, that if I'll be a faithful tither, you'll rebuke the devourer for me. Lord, I want to thank you that your word says, the windows have heaven are open and people are seeing your blessing on my life and they're calling me blessed. What's he doing? He's looking down at a believer. Facing financial disaster. And they're not whining about the, disaster, the financial problem. They're telling him what the word says. And so that words come back up to him, and he says, You ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. So that financial miracle takes place, and people look at you, and they say, Sydney, grow. How could that happen in your life? How did that happen? And Sydney just does her grin. And she says something like, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Well, if Jesus did it for Sydney, How come he did for this didn't do it for this person over here? They're religious too. That's their problem. They're too religious, not enough word minded. And I'm not condemning people or judging people, but the Bible's very plain. God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't love Cindy any more than he does anybody else. But when Cindy prays the word, Cindy gets the answer. It's the same thing every one of us. God has no favorites. But it's a rewarder of faith. And what is faith? Faith is hearing the word. Faith is praying the word. When you're praying the word, he says you're praying the answer. He said when you're praying the answer, he said it shall be done unto you. Amen. Is anybody getting excited about this here? I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I like answered prayer. I like my prayers answered, especially when it comes to my family going through problems. Especially when it comes to financial things. I like the money to show up. I like the harassment to stop. I like the healing to come. I'd like to see good things happen. And so I've got the guarantee from Jesus that this is how things happen. And so and so, based upon what Jesus said, now I want to look I want to shift gears now because I want to set this next thing up. I want to go to Colossians chapter one. Because a lot of people have questions about their life right now. And so I want to look at Colossians chapter 1 at a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer written by the Apostle Paul that's opened my spiritual eyes time and time again to know what to do. One thing I don't think I've said in over 40 years is I don't know what to do. I don't think I've ever said that. Because I know where to get the answer to know what to do. I know when I'm facing decisions in life, when I'm facing problems, I know where to find out what to do. And so I keep my mouth shut. I open my Bible. I pray this prayer I'm going to be looking at here. And then my confession is, I'll know exactly what to do by the time I have to do it. Because I believe the Bible. And I believe the words of the Bible. So in Colossians chapter 1, I want to look at verse 3 and verse 4. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, wrote these words. I don't know if you ever look at the Bible like that, that's how I look at it. Paul wrote this, but the Holy Spirit wrote it through him. And the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And so God, through the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. We give thanks to God and the, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, prayed always for you since we. Now look at this, here's two keys. To your answered prayer. Since we heard of your faith, I circled the faith, in Christ Jesus, and of the love, I circled the love, which you have to all saints. Remember those books I showed you about how to walk in love? Well, see, he's getting ready, he's getting ready to set you up in how to pray a good prayer over your life. And he says, I heard of your faith and I heard of your love. And remember, faith always works by love. Always works by love. And so... If my prayers weren't bearing fruit, two things I'd look at. Number one, i check my word level because I said, I heard of your faith. And they have faith because they're serious about the word. I heard of your faith and then also of your love for the saints. i check my word level and then i check how am I treating people. And I'll tell you what, I don't look at Facebook very much. But Jesus isn't in politics and just because your Christian faith is in one pot type of politician, somebody else in another, doesn't mean you have the right to hate them on Facebook. Amen. Tell you what, the only thing that counts you get to heaven is not what party you was in, because you're not going to get there if you had more faith in politics than you did in Jesus. You get to heaven because you were born again. And you love Democrats, you love Republicans, you love atheists, you love Buddhists, you love Muslims. You love everybody, but you have the love of Christ in you. And if you love people like Christ loves people, you don't hate them. You have compassion on them. And you want them to see the truth of who Jesus is. Amen? And so I don't see how a Christian can get much answers to prayer for anything if they hate people on Facebook. Moving right along, Pastor. That's just, that's just free. But the fact of the matter is, didn't he say, I've heard of your faith, I've heard of your love? How many many Christian churches today could he say, I've heard of your love? Your love hates nobody. Your love has compassion. Your love doesn't get even. Your love doesn't get mad at how somebody votes or doesn't vote. Your love loves. Amen? And so notice verse 5 and verse 6. He says, I've heard of your love, you have all saints, and for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard before in the word. I circled that again, the word. That's the key to our Christian life. He says, It's laid up in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you as it is in all the word, world, and I circle, bringeth forth fruit. What bringeth forth fruit? The previous verse, the word. The word brings forth fruit. The fruit of your life comes from the word that you live, and the love that you have. He says, I've heard of you. He said, you have faith in Christ Jesus. You love people. And so this word that's come into you is bringing forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God and truth. And so we have to know that for our prayers to be fruitful, we have to be serious about our word, loving people, and then recognize that like Jesus said, prayer fruit comes from the word abiding in you. And Paul said, the word in your life brings forth the fruit. The fruit we have it's called the word we live. And so we're called a word church. I love being part of a word church. I love all the denominations that preach Jesus. I love all Christians everywhere. but I've got a special love for pastors and churches that teach the word of God. That's where the fruit comes from. You know, I think about these testimonies I heard the last few days from several lives of people in the church. Just randomly, all of a sudden, people are coming up and giving us testimonies about what this church has done for them. I know this church has done much for them because the Word that's taught here. The Word that's taught gets in their hearts, comes out of their mouths, they live the Word, and all of a sudden they get healings. They get blessings. Things happen because of the Word, and that's what he says, the Word brings forth fruit. And so the Word brings forth fruit in your life when you know what to do with it. So what I want to look at, verse, these, these verses, verse 3 through 6, set up this prayer From verse 9 through 14. And I want to point out some things here. And the purpose of this being, we are living in uncertain times. We are living in changing times. And I was telling telling Mrs. Pastor today, I had to order something today that I couldn't find in the store in Barstow off this app that probably everybody here uses. I don't even like to say the app because I'm just very leery about these things anymore. Because I see something coming. I, I, I hope everybody sees it coming. If they can shut you off and block you on Facebook, and they can block you off on something else because they don't like it because you say something Christianese or something politics or something like that, and they block you, what happens? I'll just say the word but not on tape anyway. What happens the day you go to order something you really don't on Amazon, and they block you because you've been talking about your politics or about Jesus? Or about Christian things, Bible things, they say, we're blocking them because we don't like how they believe. That kind of, now I'm not, I'm not preaching this as a fact. That kind of sounds to me like heading towards the mark of the beast. If you don't have the right number, you can't buy and sell. You can't buy and sell. And I told her, I said to me, and we, we a while back started saying we're going to do everything we can to buy local and buy things, and if we can't do it, that's going to be our last resort. Can't you see the possibility of this modern technology that all of a sudden you log in and they say, you know what, we've been monitoring that Cindy Groves account, and she gives 10% to that church all the time. She must be a serious Christian. We're going to block her because she has no right to buy here because she's a Christian. Just thinking, guys, just thinking, just thinking out loud, but I told her, and the reason it's become real to me, I don't do Facebook very much. I went to log in on Facebook the other day, and they told me I'm blocked. I tried to log in, they said you're blocked. And then said, you tried to log in too fast, and so you're suspect. I thought, how do you log in too fast? And then what I did my iPhone, I poked the numbers in there, and did my code, and they said you're blocked. And then said, if you have a question for this, then answer us. And so I did everything I could to stay out of the flesh, but I was fuming. And I answered them. I said, I don't like you. I don't like to think much about you. But I've got kids and grandkids living on the other side of the country. And I said, the only reason I was using your stupid thing, because I like to see pictures of my grandkids over there. Like to hear what my kids have to say. I said, I want to tell you something. I said, I'm praying, number one, that you fail. I said, I'm praying the government to get smart and regulate you, where you can't hurt people anymore and spread your stupid stuff. Then I said, I'm praying that God'll raise up somebody, to replace you. That's not prejudice about people. And I looked at it, I read it again, and I thought, if they don't like that, I'm to super block me, let them do it, because they need to hear this. And I anyway, I just said that, those people there, I thought, man, if they could block me that easy and if you've if ever seen me on Facebook, I don't do anything political at all. I don't even do much Christian stuff on there at all. I push likes sometimes about some of the things you guys put because I like it. But I don't make comments about politics. I don't make politics about uh, people's sexual orientation. I do none of that stuff. All I do is get on there and look at my grandkids and kids basically, see some of your cute little pictures too, what you do on there, and they block me. And so I thought, man, if they block me that easy and all my money is controlled by people in the media, like that, on the social media and stuff like that, and all this technology, but how easy could they block me if I depended on them to buy my food through them or buy goods I need through them? And so I'm just thinking about life that we as Christians need to watch what we do. We need to be serious about our faith in God because, you know, I, now this is just all bunny trail that I'm glad we're out on tape because I'm not preaching the mark of the beast. I preach in the times we live in. If they can block the President of the United States, then who do you think you are? And if they can freeze assets in people's bank accounts because they don't like who they are, who do you think you are? And so these things I'm looking at and how to pray tonight is showing how to pray in the times we live in so you'll be able to keep on winning in life. And so he says here in verse 9, For this cause, what cause? Cause you're a person of faith and love. Also, since the day we heard it, we've not ceased to pray for and to desire. Now here's what you need to know about your future. We pray that you might be filled, and E.W. Kenyon points, points out about this, with the exact and precise knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. To be filled with exact and precise knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That would include your money, your relationships, decisions you make about the important things in life for your family. Except for this cause. Said you're already a dear of the Word. You're a faith person. And you love people. And faith works by love. And so this is talking about seeing and knowing what to do in your life. And so if you're praying the Word you're praying the will. If you're praying the will, you're praying the answer. And so you can safely pray Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Father, I ask you to fill me with the exact or precise knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understandings. And what that, what that does is this. The understanding means the steps to take to walk in the will. You know, it's one thing to know here's what God wants me to do. But it's another thing to know, what's the first step to start doing it? You know, it's a good thing to know God's got a plan. But it's just good to know, what do I do so I can see the plan come to pass? And I'm saying the uncertain times we live in, back in the early 80s, I hit these bunny trails, but it's life, it's life I've lived. Back in the early 80s, uh, Teamsters trucking was the giant of the land. In the early 80s, they deregulated trucking. When they did, the company I was with had been in business since 1927. They they were indestructible, they thought. When deregulation came, three-fourths of Teepster's trucking companies went bankrupt. The pension plan for Teepsters right now is due to run out within the next five years, I think. I get letters every year telling me what's going on. Well, see, that that was people's security. Those jobs were their secure jobs. And teachers truck drivers lost it all, didn't know what to do. Well, I was a believer. Already then when they went out, I was a believer. I knew exactly what to do. I kept on tithing. I kept on giving. I kept on serving. Did we have some lean years? Well, one year. I get, you know, the Social Security things they give you that tells you what your earnings are every year. I remember about the second year we was married, I went from making like 30000 a year to 7000 that year. We had kids that we had, and I was paying child support to other kids, and off my money came in, I tithed off the first 10% that came in, got my ex-wife the other half of it, and we lived off probably $3,000 for a whole year. Well, how'd you do it, Pastor? Number one, we never robbed God. He said, well, a man robbed God he said, you robbed God, Did you get back under the curse. We stayed under the blessing. I drove a car for a whole year that wasn't my car. God gave me a car to drive. Took care of the repairs on it, insurance and everything else. That's all I had to do with the car is put gas in it. It's a little bitty car. We got good gas mileage. And we made it through that year. People gave us things, lived off of things, but the thing was... I knew what the wisdom of God was. The wisdom of God was the Word of God. And to obey the Word of God. Somebody said, well, how did you do that, Pastor? He said, the just shall live by faith. We live by faith. We believe the Word. We spoke the Word. We live by the Word. We didn't go out and live beyond our means, because we didn't have any means. <laughs> Amen. And so he said. We can pray to be filled with exact and precise knowledge of His will. Exact and precise. That means knowing what the plan of God is. And how do you know? When you're praying, when you're praying, if people just get this, there's been so much goofy teaching about being led by the Spirit of God and things like that. that people are led by voices and stuff. He said, for me, they're led by the Spirit of God. through the sons of God. Led by the Spirit. God is the Spirit. They that worship Him, worship Him in spirit. Your spirit gets born again. Your head needs renewed. God leads you in here, not by thoughts up here. Things come to your head from the spirit of God, but the difference of things come from the outside. I talked about that this morning. So when you're praying for the wisdom of God, all of a sudden, in life, especially if you're a married person, my wife and I have known every time in our whole married life the same thing, what to do. We stay in agreement. And we know not because this thought came to us or not because somebody prophesied to us, here's what to do. And, you know, I'll warn you about that. If you go to prophesy to somebody about major decisions, you better be ready to pick them up if the prophecy fails because then you're responsible for their life. When you're praying for the Word of God and the wisdom of God, all of a sudden on the inside of you, you just know that you know that you know that you know. Back in Indiana... In 2005, we'd pastor for a lot of years, do things were done out there, just do they're done, and we would have stayed there to hell froze over. But then we knew, and our, and our pastor confirmed it to us, Dr. Barclay, God has something else for you to do, just not here. And so we knew in our hearts, there's a move coming. So what did Mrs. Pastor do? Probably two or three months before we knew where we was gonna go, she was packing all of her stuff up. Had all of her stuff packed up, and then we found out that in a place that we never ever thought we'd ever ever want to know about called California. I, I never had anything against California. never anything for California. I can talk this way now because I'm a Californian, so I'm not being judgmental or mean. But I'm telling you how the country looks at California a lot of it. I thought two things about California. Number one, The land of sexual perverts. That's the first thing I thought. Number two, I thought California is going to make beachfront property for Arizona because California is so messed up it's going to fall in the ocean when those earthquakes hit. I didn't talk about that, but everything I heard out in Indiana, that's 2,000 miles away, the Bible Belt, that's what I thought. And so California was not on my radar for anything. And then it was very popular on the news you couldn't turn on the news in Indiana at nighttime in 2005 without seeing a car chase in California. We turned the news on. They interrupt the program. They got a helicopter at 15 highway patrols driving 30 miles an hour down an interstate until they run out of gas. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. And so when God let us know California, the boxes were packed. Why was that? Because she knew in her heart the will of God what to do. I knew it too. Same thing just happened again. I got that 10-acre place, and I thought that was mine until Jesus comes back. I'm 70 years old, and I can't say how old she is because she might get mad, so I don't tell how old she is. But I'm 70 years old, and three years older than me. But anyway, I didn't say that. I mumbled it. And so we knew, we knew, we knew all the first part of this year, the Lord one does to get ready for traveling ministry and get more involved in ministry again. And so she knew she had to sell her horse. Her horse was a big love to her because the horse tied us back to do anything. And all of a sudden, after she sold her horse, our house was sold. What he really wanted to sell, wasn't praying about selling it. Our house got sold just like that somebody offered us. Did you ever hear that expression of the Godfather that made us offer we couldn't refuse? Somebody made us a cash offer we couldn't refuse. Cash money for our house. And then the next thing, a really, really, really nice house I would have never had the faith to, faith to pray for at a really nice place here, and all that come to pass in one month's time. But the whole thing was, we took the first step, sold the horse, and that started the whole thing happened because we did what we knew to do for the plan of God. We knew we had to sell the horse, do that. And I knew how much she loves horses. So I've been in California. We've had probably a half a dozen, six or eight horses. I don't know, but I've had a lot of horses in California. And so I told her would well, she want to sell the horse, I said, don't do that. I said, I love you. I don't care much for horses, but I love you. This is, this is a true story. I'm not being phony. I said, I know how much that horse means to you. I said, don't sell it. She said, I know in my heart I've got to sell it. I said, well, I said, I really want you to keep it because I know what it means to you. But I did not recognize a spiritual connection to a horse. Because when we got free from that horse, God started moving. And so I want you to see this next verse that I'll be closing up pretty soon because we're probably, probably getting out of time. He says, you're filled with God's wisdom and understanding, knowing what to do. Why is that? So you might walk worthy of the Lord. Walk. Now, look at my walk. What am I doing? What's that called? No, that one step. That's stepping. You're not walking somewhere unless you're stepping one step at a time. You can't get here to that door but one step at a time. So when God begins to put the plan of God in your heart, you got to take the first step. When you know something that God wants you to do, He will give you the grace to take the first step. And you don't have to to be concerned about the second or third step if you don't ever take the first. But I'll tell you what happens when you start praying about God's plan, about your job, about your family, anything in life you're praying for, when you're praying this word right here, you're praying the answer. Because Jesus said if His words abide in you. So when you're praying for God... To show you what his will is, it says he'll fill you with it. It gets in your heart. And then all of a sudden, I want to say this again because I've talked to a lot of husband and wife teams. This is for everybody. All of a sudden, I, I can tell you so many stories about us. Things that we never, never, ever in our heads ever thought about. There's been so many times things were just so much out of our thinking. Wrong. We look at each other and say, we can do that at the same time we say it. So many times. I remember the time we moved into the snake driller. Woo! We moved to a house driller that had snakes in it one time. And within a few months, we pioneered a church in that town. We would have never, ever, ever left a, what was that, six-bedroom farmhouse we had? Six-bedroom farmhouse on 80 acres, live in a little old stupid house trailer in the poor part of Indiana. But we both looked at each other one day and said, you know what? we need to leave, leave this big farmhouse and move that little house trailer. Had this, you'd find dead snake stuff in the, in the trailer, but after just a few months, we started a church and had a great influence in that area, but we took the first step. The snake trailer wasn't forever. That was just a step to be a witness to people down there where that trailer was. If you're not willing to take the first step, you'll probably never see the plan come to pass. Somebody said... I don't want to live in a snake trailer. I didn't either. To be honest with you, it's better than the snake house. But he had us move to the other part of the state. Lived in a house. Had about two foot of water in the basement. Full of snakes swimming. Had a fuse box down the middle of it. Blue fuses. I had to walk through the water of the snakes to change the fuses. But. Ministry came out of it. You know, these stupid stories, man, I kept, a pastor was stupid. Well, I don't know what I was, but I just know that we tried to be obedient where we were to get to where we are. And this is what works anyway. It says you'll walk worthy of him when you're filled with his knowledge of his will. And so there's so much more I keep on talking about, but I know it's getting late. And so I just want to tell you for the times we live in, If you want to succeed in life no matter what happens, I can't believe I said that stuff about the technology and stuff like that. I don't preach that kind of stuff. But I'm just telling you right now, be wise to the times we're living in. Don't get people have such a control over your life that they can just shut you off and block you from your money and stuff. Just watch what you're doing. Amen. And you just be wise, you be wise, you pray, and then God, God will from your heart give you things on the inside of you And the best way that I say to know the Spirit of God when He's leading you is that you know that you know that you know that you know. Well, how do you know? I just know that I know that I know that I know. I have the Spirit of God in me. I have the Holy Spirit in me. And He said, when I pray for His wisdom, He'll give it to me. I've prayed and I know this is the next thing to do. So when you begin to live like that, you're getting to the place where no matter what happens, like the children of Israel in the wilderness, That cloud covers you in the daytime, got the fire at nighttime, you need water, comes out of the rock. God's the one that does it. Amen. And so anyway, that is a scriptural way to prayer and get answers. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.